Welcome to the fourth episode of my Stephen King podcast. I'm already mad at everyone. <laughs> my name is Maya, and I like to talk about Stephen King. Did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. Like it's 6 1999 Do you want to introduce yourself first? Uh, I am guest number one. My name is Eric. I am Maya's husband. And I was under the impression that this <laughs> podcast was called That Sounded Like a Urinal. I was going to cut that part out. <laughs> uh, we're here with two very special guests. William, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Will Carlo. I'm the third greatest ice climber player that ever lived. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And? And I'm Maya's mom, and that's the greatest thing in the world. Oh, that's so nice of you. And you have a name, too? I do. <laughs> it's Sandy. It is. Okay. Uh, so I like to start the podcast out with uh, talking about everyone's relationship to Stephen King. Eric, you've been on the show before. Does that mean I don't get to go again? I mean, you can do a short recap. I, I think I can do that. Okay. Do you want me to go now? I Sure. In December of 1980, I was born on a cold winter's night. It was December 20th. 30 seconds. Um, I read a lot of Stephen King as a child. And um, uh, if you're a new listener, uh, my, my first... Stephen King book was Pet Cemetery. I enjoyed it. Read a bunch since then. Uh, I apparently also read the book that includes the story that the movie we are going to discuss was based on, but I totally forgot about it, so I guess I've probably read more than I even remember, and um, that's it. Okay, you've also read a lot of things in between Pet Cemetery and Full Dark No Stars. Yeah, I thought... You've read a I, lot of Stephen King books. I thought that was implied. Okay. Well... I have never read a Stephen King book, but Ever? No, Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really book smart. I'm more street smart, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ice climber smart. Yeah, uh, but uh, I saw yeah, Stand by Me and Misery and the Stand miniseries and the Langoliers. Nice. Hashtag Langoliers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I always, I always like it, but I've never, uh, uh, you know gotten gotten down and dirty with the books would you say having not read any stephen king books would you say that you think stephen king is a good writer or a bad writer i think he is a unique writer uh he does that was very diplomatic yeah <laughs> he you know the guy the guy puts out a lot of stuff he's you know even the prolific he's prolific even the best baseball players in the world only get on base like a third of the time so i think he's doing great okay that's very nice you're making a weird face. What's your? I just don't hold back if you have an opinion, right? I just, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I like most of the stuff I've seen, but I'm not like wild about it ever. Okay. I'm just like this is fine. I had an okay time. That's fair. <laughs> and you, so my mother, I, yes. I've talked before on the show about how uh, my first exposure to Stephen King was you telling me that you were horrified of clowns because of the It miniseries. Correct. What what else have you? 
Uh, so my experience with Stephen King was through books, uh, The Stand, and also one of the most disturbing uh, books was this, the short stories. There's one specific short story about a young boy who is befriended by a Nazi. Oh, yeah. That is the book Different Seasons. Apt Pupil. Yes. Yes. And um, so that, uh, as I was reading it, I, I felt like I was actually being traumatized by reading it. And that's the one where the, the boy sort of decides that he's a Nazi or something? Well, people should read it. But yeah, but that was what horrifying you because I would say that's one of his less scary stories. Well, I, I mean, I think the issue for me is that it's just it's psychologically traumatizing. Meaning there there are some things that are sort of frank horror where you can see things like you know people are massively infected with something, or you know there's there's kind of a grimness to things that is about po- populations of people being devastated, and then there's the individual persons personality being mm-hmm. warped which i think is one of the things that stephen king does really well i agree um and also for me the idea that he had books that were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages long um meant that you could get lost in the story and an entire day of your life could go by and you would not be able to stop reading it and so you would stay in his reality mm-hmm. for days Uh, what would you say, what's the scariest, so I know that you hate it, but what's the scariest Stephen King book that you've read? Well, I mean, I couldn't watch it. You Wait, know? so you didn't even see the miniseries? No, I couldn't watch the... What, I did mean, you see a commercial? Yeah, that's it. Wow. I've seen ads for it, and it looks, the clown looks stupid and not scary, <laughs> and I don't... In the new one or the old one? I don't know, both. It looks like <laughs> a clown. Like, I, clown, clowns are funny. I don't know. <laughs> what if a clown follows you home tonight when you're going home? I think that would be great. I, I ask him to like juggle and get into cars. And, and what if he didn't? Clowns. And he just kept staring at you. Yeah. Oh, well, just... And what if you turned around and he was suddenly right behind you? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't like that. But just like I've, I've just seen clips of it, and it's just like a dumb clown. I feel like you have to see the movie. I think you're picturing just a fun clown. Yeah. What if you're like, hey, make me a balloon animal, and then he he like opened his mouth and his head flipped backwards, and he had like. Sharp teeth. Many rows of sharp teeth, and then I mean, yeah, ripped your face I mean, I'm off. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's scary in the movie. I just like I saw the ads, and I'm okay. just like, okay, it's just a clown. I don't, I'm not, but I don't know. I yeah, clowns. Clowns are great. Okay, I think they're I'm, fun. I'm and not convinced funny. that Will has a sense of dread. Yeah, I d- I do not like horror movies. I get scared by horror movies for sure. I do think it's interesting that when you saw the It commercials, that you were was scarred for life. Yeah, that Why was Why do you think that? It, and when Will sees it, it seems fun. Well, <laughs> I, I, I can't explain Will. But I, for me, it's layers and layers of the news and John Wayne Gacy and yeah. Oh, yeah. all those people who, you know, dressed up as clowns and kind of ruined actual clowns. What, you know. what year did the It miniseries come out? It was like 93. So you, you weren't even a little kid when that came out. No, I was. But a, you've been scared of clowns since you were little. Correct. Okay. Since so it, you know, ringing okay, brothers. So I thought that it was the thing that made you scared of clowns. Oh no. Okay, that makes more sense then. Why but you I would mean, be horrified like, by even that? Even before it came out, there or like the movie, there was you know I feel like there was a kind of campy clown well, renaissance no there was like a like like clowns were an image that came up in like campy horror for a while like there was like 
was it like killer clowns from outer space or something? Our question is, can you pinpoint the moment when you became afraid of clowns? At the circus. Just at the circus. Yeah, to me, the idea that somebody paints a, a, an expression on their face so you don't actually know what their mm. facial expression is, is yeah. scary. Um, and it also, to me, it was, the, you know, there, there was a whole generation of people who thought it was okay for strangers to be close to children. Right. And so the idea that strangers who are dressed up with a smile painted on their face are allowed to be near children is disturbing. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, there are people who actually love clowns and, and children like will. who love them. No, I'm saying, I, you know. <laughs> I, I don't love clowns. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for me, it's always been associated with so, somebody who's trying to hide what yeah. their actual face is. And also, it just felt very um, unnerving that... You know, like it's the uncanny valley situation yeah. that you know. It's like this. Right, it this looks is like not, a face, but it's like a this fake. This is not a face, but it's yeah. fake enough that it's disturbing. Eric, what was that movie we watched about the clown? Is it called Clown? Oh, it. You're thinking of? No, no. <laughs> you love you know that movie. About? Um, oh, you're thinking of the one where the guy puts yeah. the clown mask on. Or the, he puts the clown costume on at the children's birthday yeah, they party and they can't off. take it off. And, and it, it turns, and it into turns a murderous out that clown. the costume is like a demon that he's yeah. he's put on. I think it's just called Clown. No, it's not called Clown. I forget what it's called. It's good, though. It's good. It's like an indie horror movie from a couple of years ago. It's called Clown. It's called Clown. And it's from um, 2014. Uh, we, I liked it. We endorse this movie. You should watch it. The Dairy Connection, officially sponsored by clowns. It's the it's uh, surprise. That's official, great. Surprise. Official Dairy Connection. We've got some clowns on their way over <laughs> to give us a giant selection. check. Film selection number one for the Dairy Connection. Yeah, clown. Clown. Serious question mm. to my mother: mm. What would you do if a bunch of clowns walked in here right now? I would probably attack them. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun though? They just had a bunch of seltzer bottles and little horns, like. <laughs> I would run for the kitchen, get some knives, get some knives. Those okay. little, those little flowers that like squirt, you know, like smell my flower, and then like. Why are you doing a scary clown impression right now? That's not helping. There's no clowns coming over. It's okay. I know. Okay, so let's talk about the movie that we are here to talk about, which is not clown. But that's a great movie. Right. 1922. So we saw 1922, which is the new... It just came out on Netflix uh, today, I think. Uh Um, uh And uh, it's from the Stephen King collection of novellas, Full Dark, No Stars. Yes. Uh, Let's start with... uh, Was this a good movie? No. We're going to say no. I'm going to say no. Really? uh, Yeah, Um, I'm going to say no. Okay. (laughs) I think this is a fair movie. Okay. Yeah. I didn't regret watching it, but it would be... Ludicrous to say that it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I, I wouldn't have paid to see it in the oh, theater. If yeah. I saw it in the theater, I would have been, I would have felt ripped off. I will say when we when we found it on Netflix and it said it was an hour and forty five minutes long, I did not understand how that was possible because the like it's not only a novella, but it's like not a lot happens in the novella. Yeah, there's not, I there's was not enough movie in there for yeah. a movie. Yeah, there, there, I'm still I, not sure how it was that long. This is an episode of the Twilight Zone. That's Absolutely. what I was thinking. Absolutely. Yep, twenty minutes would have been great. Yep. Uh, there's there's a couple reasons why I didn't like it. One, Thomas Jane is hard to identify with, uh, and you know he's he's a tragic uh, hero. Uh, yeah, he sort of you know it didn't seem like he had 
a, a character outside of the plot, and so it was hard to uh, care about what was going on with him. Uh, and also, just sort of 20 minutes in, you kind of get it. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I went in blind. I had no idea what this was about. And I was like, oh, is this going to be like they have to do a lot of stuff to cover up the murder? You know, once you finally find out about the murder. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that could be fun. And then I realized that it's just about like the the rats and the guilt and just like everything getting worse and worse. And I was like, okay, I, I know it's basically what's going to happen and I just need to sit here and watch it play out. I feel like that really would have worked if the movie was 30 minutes long. Yeah. Or like 20 minutes long. Right. You know? Like, his one-dimensional portrayal of this guy and everything. Like, he acted the shit out of that. Like, he didn't open his mouth once. Yeah. Yeah. For an hour and 42 minutes. His teeth were clenched together sideways. He spit with his teeth clenched. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was ridiculous. But like, yeah, there's no character there. Like, I when 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 we queued this the movie up and it said an hour and forty two or whatever, I was like, didn't didn't I read this short story? Like, it's it's pretty ABC. Here's what happens. Like, I was shocked that they were able to stretch it out. The thing that I, a couple of things I found really weird. Um, wh- one was that the the visuals were actually distracting. Yeah. So, in other words, if we were really talking about 1922, it felt like it would have a certain look of you know people uh, on a farm and they would be tired and they would have a certain kind of exhausted look. And instead, it just it felt almost like you know those movies where the the house is the star of the movie. Yeah. Those Nancy Myers movies. This is this is sort of like the the period was the the star and so it was very yeah, distracting totally. it's like I oh agree. my god what a beautiful barn that is you know i, I think it was just because everything was cgi it, it had a very fakey kind of feeling yeah. i felt like this entire movie could have been the filmed snow. in a single parking lot mm-hmm. and like every every backdrop was just painted in yeah. with a computer and that's why everything looked so beautiful and and like the colors were too vibrant and like yep yeah, I, yeah. We kept noticing aqua, and, and yeah. we kept thinking somehow this blue is going to be important to the plot or something. Yeah, totally. yeah, and instead it was just like somebody just really likes aqua. Yeah, I think it was one of those movies where it's like people took a sort of okay story and just tried to make it cinematic, but didn't really think about yeah. how else to fill it in. It was yeah. beautiful. I will say, like the movie made me wonder why it was even called 1922 in the first place. Whereas when I was reading the story, I didn't feel that way. Because the story, the way it was written, felt like a period piece and like you sort of understood why people were thinking the way they were. And the movie, I felt like, didn't dig deep enough into that. Is the show where James Franco stops the JFK assassination 1960? 11-22-63. Oh, it's the whole date. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I was, you know. You thought it might be 1963. I was hoping they were going to travel in time in this and there was no time Uh, travel. That would have been much better. Yeah. (laughs) You were asking Eric the the ending you were not pleased with because you thought it wasn't true to the story. I you know I mean like I just said I felt like they failed to ratchet up the tension throughout the movie. So when you get to the ending, it's like, oh okay yeah sure like the the ghosts show up to to claim him 
you know, so he pays for his sin or whatever. But like, I I just think that they they didn't properly set the pace in yeah. the movie. Well, I think so. What what happens at the end is he like turns around in his hotel room where he's writing the memoirs and the three confession his confession. That's right. And the the three people whose deaths he's sort of directly responsible for are there and all their faces are eaten up by rats and whatever. Right. Um, and then it just ends with him like just seeing them there. And I looked, I double checked what happens in the end of the book or in the novella. Um, and uh, the way that he writes it, he turns around, sees them and he, you know, he writes that much down and then his, his confession ends. Um, but in the book, the story ends with a newspaper clipping about his death saying that he was found with bite marks that appeared to be self-inflicted. So the rats were a figment of his imagination and, and he was chewing himself up. Uh-huh. And the confession that he wrote, the papers that he left behind are illegible because they were chewed to pieces. I find that way scarier that's than way, how they ended the movie. That's what, I just got goosebumps here. Yeah, yeah right? That's that would have so been a good scarier. ending. Yeah. Also, I felt like in the story... The the rats are an extension of like him being haunted. Right. You know, like the rats are his dead wife reaching out from the, yeah. the whatever. But like in in the movie, and I think it could just be a pacing issue, but like the rats are just sort of like a creepy reminder of things that are happening and and then like at the end the ghosts pop up. You know, it's like it's there's no. Yeah, it's like why didn't the ghost just pop up to begin with and kill him? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, so like and on the, the run ever. Like yeah. the rats were just there to annoy him. Like, like it didn't. Yeah, it was just like there was no. Right, the rats didn't actually. They were just following him around. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was this like build that that it led to inevitably you know him meeting his victims again in mm-hmm. the end or something it, it actually it would have been more like a really good twilight zone episode if it had ended that way uh, with the remark about the wounds being self-inflicted yeah or him just writhing in a rat suit <laughs> <laughs> oh here there is a part where the sheriff comes in. And he's like, "Oh yeah, we found your dead wife. She was like on the road." Yeah. What? It, what was that? Well, they just found some drifter apparently, and uh, that was the moment where he's like off scot free. I think he but was. He was, he was already kind of off scot free. No, he what was if? waiting for so because he said ev- eventually everybody gets caught or whatever the expression mm-hmm. was, and I think that when that happened with the sheriff. I think, you know, you sort of see him put his head back in resignation where it's like, I'm just in suspense waiting for somebody to notice that I'm guilty. Right. And then it's almost like he needs to be the person who catches himself. Mm. But but the point was missed in this. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I missed the point. No, I I think the director missed the point. Here's an Mm. idea. What if the woman who got murdered and robbed was the, the neighbor's wife who ran off? Ooh. Oh. Oh, she ran off? Remember, Remember the guy he said he she left him. Oh shit! I missed that whole thing. Yeah. What do you mean? Is that why he, that guy was drunk sitting on the porch? Yeah. One of the reasons. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was drunk sitting on the porch because his daughter. I mean, that didn't help. He said he said w- that they had so many things in common. That at the beginning of the year they had l- children who were alive. They had wives. They had wives, and then it, and then he said, at least I still have both of my hands. Yeah. Oh my! Oh well. So then it's like the the main guy is even further guilty because he is claiming the the life of of 
the guy's wife. Right. He's letting was, it go. That that sure that that's my wife. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Oh damn. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a fan theory. I don't I don't think that this. It's not explicitly stated, right. obviously. But I do but. feel like why leave it in the movie if it's not anything? Well, I think it, it just is to be like that was the moment he could have. I think it's a thing in the sense that it's like the sheriff has cleared him. That the, the right the sheriff is sort of closing the case on his missing wife. Yeah. The weird thing is the actors actually were very good, but it just it didn't I, I, you didn't get lost in the story at all. It, yeah. I, and we kept being jarred by the actors. Like somebody would appear, and we kept feeling like right. It felt like you were watching actors. Right. It's like oh, we know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, like the the fact that Thomas Jane was like trying to go deep in character in this movie, and then like the sheriff shows up, and it's supposed to be 1922, and he's like, "Hi, uh, hey, uh, hey, man, uh, quick question for you, quick anachronism for you." And Thomas Jane's like, "Yep, you right, man." He's like, oh yeah, okay. I just wanted to, uh, you know, ask you about uh, you know, seeing your wife around or what's up. The, but the the, <laughs> th- the thing is, he was singular, meaning it wasn't like he represented farmers. It was almost like he was the last of the farmers. Right, he was like the last real farmer. He, he thought was the out. he thought this was going to be his. There will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, were, we kept saying sling blade also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty early in the movie, Eric said that he sounded like sling blade, which I didn't think was true. And then the more it went on, the more I couldn't help hearing sling blade every time he talked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a really, really deep affectation he had going on with the like clenched jaw speaking out of the side of his mouth. It's pretty ridiculous. You do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to do sling blade. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm Thomas Jane. <laughs> I sleep out in the shed. I eat mustard and biscuits. <laughs> that, that's what it sounded like. Oh, you know what I? You know what I? My favorite part of the movie was the pince nez that he was yeah, wearing. You loved those glasses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was... Oh yeah. Yeah, you reacted to that the way that I reacted to the the haunted lady showing up in the hallway. <laughs> like when she showed up in the hallway, I screamed and you you did the same thing. He took his glasses off and Will was like, "Oh, damn." <laughs> damn, that's a cool ass pair of glasses. Damn. That was like the only time that you reacted at now all to the movie. Now it's a movie. Yeah. Also, one time you said, "Wow, weird." And I repeated He did. That. He did. He said, "Wow." <laughs> And I and I repeated that after him because I was like, oh, he's Owen Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> what was the book that he was reading? Was that supposed the, to be the House something? Of House of Seven Gables. Gables. Yeah. It is wasn't that a anything. Thing? Do we know what that's that is? a thing? But Should I Google it? Maybe it means something. I mean, I feel like there were so few things to. I know. To, it, to, yeah, this is this is just going back to my rant of like every Stephen King movie has no Stephen King reference, isn't it? There was like one book. There was a bunch of corn. Corn was a thing. Yeah. Uh, Have you guys ever shucked corn? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, <laughs> funny aside, I was thinking about this while Maya's looking on Wikipedia. Um, when I was a kid, my grandfather had a cornfield. And I had to go and I had to like pick all this corn and it was super boring and I hated it. And I had to like walk around and you know, you pull the corn down and you grab the like tassel on the top and you pull it off. And you have to like pull the leaves down the side, you know, and you pull them off. 
I'm sure you're all very familiar with this, you know, shucking corn. Yes. Yeah, and corn. so, um, is it husking or shucking? I think when you pull the the stuff off the top, that's that's husking, right? Uh-huh. But when you peel it, I think it's called shucking. Okay. Or do you shuck oysters and you husk corn? No, you definitely shuck because my uh, hi, uh, my uh, elementary school friend Jeff Stelling uh, came up with an etymology for shucking that people would they were trying to peel the corn and they were mad about something and they would snap their fingers and say "Oh shucks" and that would somehow <laughs> shuck the corn. So I. What grade was this? Probably later than I'd like to admit. That's that's weirder than the story that I'm telling about corn. Unbelievably. But, uh, are, you, so I, are you going to talk about the rubber band trick? There's a rubber band trick D- for shucking corn. Sure. Uh, how do you, what is it? What does it involve? Again, you can just—it's a YouTube thing, but yeah. Well, why wow. don't we wrap this up so we can get on to the well, House so of the anyway, Seven this Gables? This is a sort of deeply traumatic moment from my childhood. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to share it with your listeners. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so Corn is I'm relevant. Whole family's out there. You know, we're just we're getting it. We're just working out in the fields, getting the corn. And so I I have to get the corn. And you know, you grab the leaf at the top, you pull it down, you pull it down, you chuck it on the ground, you throw the corn in the basket. And I'm out there, and I'm just. I'm, you know, I'm breaking a sweat. And so uh, my grandfather's there, and he's just like, work faster. And I I grab the ear of corn, and I pull the leaf down, and... There was a rat. <laughs> yeah, if there's no corn cob at all. It's just a rat hiding in there in the shape of a corn cob. And it looks at me, it goes, rat! And it jumps on my face. No, I, so I, I pull the leaf down, and I get what is sort of the leaf equivalent of a paper cut. On my finger, I get a leaf cut, uh-huh. but it's very deep, right? I get this very deep leaf cut on my finger. Blood is streaming down my hand. I've, I and I'm like, oh my god, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And my grandfather turns around and he's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you? He's like, why aren't you shucking corn? And I was like, I'm bleeding. And he's like, what did you do? And I was like, I, <laughs> I cut myself on the corn. <laughs> And the look of disgust <laughs> on his face <laughs> after seeing that I cut my soft little city boy hands on his corn. <laughs> and he turns to my mom and he's like, Mary, he cut his hand on the goddamn corn. <laughs> and everybody is just standing there looking at me like with such intense disappointment on their faces like like what is wrong with you and then i had to go into the house and get a band-aid and wipe my hand off and then i came out and they wouldn't let me shut corn for the rest of the day yeah so that's pretty much what shaped my entire personality yeah that moment that makes sense Um, so why, why don't we talk about the, the Stephen King connections? All right, let's do it. So the only real one that I really found was Hemingford Home, Nebraska, which is a classic in wow. many Stephen King's. What? No, I mean I, I've never heard of that before. No. Well, we, when it came, when it said it, I I yelled. But there's Hemingford. What are you associating it with? Uh, so basically, so Stephen King has a thing with like cornfields and Nebraska <laughs> because uh, Nebraska is all American and cornfields are scary. So there's um, Children of the Corn takes place. Maybe he cut his hand on corn. Maybe he did. 
Oh, I should. You want to write to it? Yeah, ask him. You can seal it with blood. Yeah. (laughs) Cut your own hand with corn. Yeah, that won't get somebody knocking on your door. Yeah. Uh, so Children of the Corn takes place right near Hemingford Home. They drive okay. through there right before they get to the town where the Children of the Corn are. Um, it, one of the characters, moves to Hemingford Home, Nebraska after the series, after the oh, events wow. of It take place. Uh, and the stand, which I'm reading right now, Mother Abigail lives in Hemingford Home. So that's where like all the characters converge. Um, but I think in general, it's like that every time he needs like an all-American sort of like farmland or whatever, he always just defaults to Hemingford home. That's not a real town, but Hemingford, Nebraska is a real town. Wait, is that the, is that the only connection that you found? So that, that's the only like real connection, but there's a bunch of themes, but I mean, they're pretty obvious. So one is the corn, like Eric said, which I feel like pretty directly overlaps with all the places he mentions Nebraska. Um, but so in children of the corn, uh, there's this whole thing. So the, do you guys all know that story? Mm-hmm. Not really. Right, you haven't. So, um, so Children of the Corn is these people come across this town full of... Kids kill everybody. Right, yeah. these creepy children. And it turns out the reason they're killing people is because they're doing it for uh, the man who walks behind the rose, he's called. Or no, he who walks behind the rose. Um, uh, and he's this like... A sort of mythical creature who demands like innocent blood. And so the kids are like killing these people to feed this guy fun fact he who walks behind the rose the word walter is hidden in there which is one of randall flagg's aliases which is the bad guy in all the stephen king stories wow um yes i have have a little aside about children of the corn i loved it when i was a kid had it on vhs watched it all the time but my friend paul had a great idea for a car commercial (laughs) because if you've seen the movie Children of the Corn, has anyone here seen? Yes. The movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know the main creepy guy. His name is Malachi. So there's a part where he's looking for one of the adults who's there that they're killing, mm-hmm. and he's wandering around in the corn, and he's going, "Outlander, Outlander!" over and over again, just like sort of like you know, like wandering around. He's screaming, "Outlander!" So. Paul saying a great idea for a car commercial would be to use that footage and then have him walk up on a Nissan Outlander and then like hit the little like and like open the car door. That's good. I thought that was genius. Is that Nissan that makes the Outlander? I don't know. Uh, no one knows. That would be really funny, right? You know, the guy from yeah. Children in the Corn wandering around looking for his car, screaming the name of it. Come on. As that would be people have seen the movie, we're all set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they would be very confused. It's possible that it's an outdated reference at this point, but you know, when he had the idea fifteen years it. ago, I think you should start an agency and just pitch that idea. <laughs> How about this? Outlander the car, but also Outlander the TV show. Oh yeah, you could get the the redheaded guy, Jamie. To be, yeah, screaming Outlander. How about that? It's fucking in a cornfield. Corporate, corporate He's synergy never there. Battle. He has seen it. Yeah. Ba- oh yeah. Okay. Eric has to sit near me while I watch Outlander. Okay. How great would it be if we had a celebrity <laughs> death match where Malachi fights Jamie from Outlander? Well, Jamie would win, obviously. But I the mean, prize would, would be yeah. Jamie's a very skilled fighter. The prize would be the car, obviously. Yeah, and he wins an Outlander. What? Jamie doesn't even know what to do with a car. He's he from the Middle Ages. <laughs> right, but he could give it to his wife. He would oh. fight it. Who's from modern times. <laughs> yeah, he would probably be startled by the car. Go 
going back to connections. Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, so here's one that I came across that I don't totally understand, but so you know how the, the company that wants to buy the farm is called Farrington? You guys okay. remember this? You yep. keep saying Farrington. I don't want them to have it. Apparently, someone said on the internet, Farrington is one of Randall Flagg's aliases, but I don't know if that's true. So the only like circumstance of Farrington in a Stephen King book I'd, I could find was like a weird mention in Salem's Lot. Hmm. So I don't hmm. understand how that's related to Randall Flagg, but other people seem to, so I may be missing something. Um, I don't remember that. If nothing else, though, he does use the word, the name Farrington in Salem's Lot. But oh. that's like, I don't super count that. Um, real quick, I would just like to apologize to all of your listeners. Um, an Outlander is actually a Mitsubishi. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if this counts. I thought I saw some connections. Yes, I would love to hear them. There were a couple shots where, where there were some Langoliers in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Langoliers, what's up? What are you, what is this? Why are you saying hashtag Langoliers? <laughs> I, I don't know. Apparently it's money in the bank and we just don't understand how. <laughs> Got him. Hashtag Langoliers. I feel like if you want people to start saying hashtag Langoliers, you have to like give them something to believe in. <laughs> Is it like Langoliers are secretly in the background of movies? Yeah. 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 So it's a conspiracy. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that right? Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Two. Two other small things. So. Uh, so one obviously a common Stephen King theme is rats. Do you guys know about this? Yes. So I just read Night Shift. Oh, I love that movie when I was a kid. Graveyard Shift, you mean? Oh, uh, that's what I meant. Night Shift is the collection, and Graveyard Shift is one of the stories uh, in okay, there. Yeah. But so the two, the first two stories in Night Shift, the collection, one is Jerusalem's Lot and one is Graveyard Shift, mm-hmm. and both are all about rats. Um, and I feel like Stephen King often uses rats as like a sort of easy, like they're gross and they're it's sort of like his version of zombies, where it's like there's so many of them and they never stop and they're sort of like watching you all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I read a fun fact, which is he when he was writing Salem's Lot, he wanted, in, in the climax of Salem's Lot, he wanted to have a rat eating someone's tongue and going into their mouth, and his editor made him take it out of the book, so he put it into this story. Oh. Huh. So, like, I could see him starting literally with just that scene and then making this whole story around it. Yeah, I can totally see that. Uh, the last sort of fake connection that I found was uh, apparently full dark, no stars is a phrase that he has used in a bunch of other books before. It's not really a connection, but... Did they say that in the movie? No. Oh, that's just the name just of it. Yeah, yeah, just meaning like the story was sort of right, like right. maybe inspired by other things, including Cell and Duma Key. Well, you said you had a joke about the, uh, the main character's wife. It wasn't really a joke. It was just sort of a, like a snap. Can I hear it? She's a poor man's Carrie Coon. That's yes. a double entendre because he is literally a poor man. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Carrie Coon? From uh, Fargo. And what's the other thing she's in? Uh, the fucking one where everybody disappears. Oh, yeah. My favorite show. The Leftovers? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. yeah. Snap. That's, that's a snap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let final thoughts about 1922. I mean, you know, you're paying for Netflix. It's free. I mean, I mean, you're paying. You know, it's. it's what are you gonna do? Watch The Office again? 
I would say yeah. <laughs> that seems like more fun. No, I mean, it's, it's October. You know, you want to watch some spooky stuff. You like Thomas Jane. You want to see him uh, go into a character. If you love Thomas Jane, Netflix, and Sling Blade, you would love this movie. Yeah, and rats. And rats. <laughs> and random color choices. I, I don't think that's... A strong consent. All right. So if you like those things, you should watch this movie. Uh, I think you should go read the story. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. book is good. It is. It is really good. I, I actually like uh, that sh- story collection, short story collection, uh-huh. whatever you want to call it, didn't make a strong impression on me. But I remember reading this story and I remember really enjoying it because I was like, oh, this is like a back to basics, like spooky telltale heart story. Yeah. Will, final thoughts? Uh, I just want to say that uh, you can think that, like, like the color imagery is stupid and that a lot of people try to overanalyze things and stuff, but there are artists that are putting that stuff into their work. Name one. Uh, I don't know, some fucking French guys. I don't know. I'm street smart, you know? (laughs) I thought you had a specific example. Uh, No, we already gave you the really, like, obvious examples. Okay. Uh, but f- yeah, French guys. Um, uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, you know, only the best baseball players in the world only get on base a third of the time. This movie <laughs> is maybe maybe it's like a walk, like it's not bad, but it's not good. Uh, it's it's better than Dreamcatcher. It's funny that you say that because I, when I was reading reviews of the movie after we watched it, I literally found someone who said, where is this rate? And they were like, I guess it's better than Dreamcatcher, <laughs> which is not Dream saying a lot was so bad. for people who have not seen Dreamcatcher. It is very yeah. bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, bottom, bottom tier Stephen King from yeah. a non-Stephen King enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would say if uh, if you were new to Stephen King and you sort of watched this for the first time, like if you're sort of a generation of people who haven't don't have expectations, then this could be kind of a shocking surprise because it feels like sort of a slow farm story and then it is kind of jolting. Um, but I think for those of us who expected a good story because it was Stephen King, it's a disappointment. Do you think if someone new to Stephen King watched this, do you think that they would like Stephen King or be like, eh, he's not that good? I, th- I think they would feel like the pace was so slow that they, yeah. they would think that was him and not this. I think about movie. that every time I watch a Stephen King adaptation where I'm like, yeah. if this is someone's first exposure, I'm worried that they will not get it. Well, I mean, I think if you're the writer, you do kind of hand over your work. And I think he's used to the idea that people have gone on to do things with his like source material. Um, but I'm I'm assuming that he would want a lot of creative control over his stuff so that stuff like this could be better edited. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So overall rating of 1922, like a... What's the scale? I don't know. Five? With five being? Great. Two? I two. I, I would say it, it may be a three. Out of five? Yeah. Um, I have a pretty high tolerance for really bad horror movies yeah. 2.5 okay uh cool so watch 1922 if you want uh read the book if you yeah, read the book actually want to be entertained oh, it's, yeah it's so much better than yeah. the movie 
Um, I keep forgetting to say this, but if you have uh, thoughts on what we just talked about, you can call into my anchor station and I'll put you on the, the next episode. Yeah, call in. Do it. Call in. Tell Eric what you think of his uh, getting getting cut by some corn. Yeah, if you've been cut by corn, <laughs> please, I want to hear please from you. Please let him know. Eric is starting Get a new podcast. Touch. What would you call your podcast about being cut by corn? Corn cuts. Corn cuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for being on my podcast. I hope you had a good time. We did. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. You will find the dairy connection and we can party like it's 6 dollars